0: Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Today, Bill O'Reilly joins us. He's on with us in hour number two to go through everything that went on this week in the news. He's fired up and it's a great week with Bill. We also have Jack Carr on. He's the author of the Terminalist series of thrillers, which is becoming a series now uh, with... Chris Pratt starring in it. It's a great series of books. And he goes through his latest and how it relates to today. Uh, Also, we have um, Joy Reid. And, well, we don't have her on, thankfully. But uh, Joy Reid's show and the craziness on MSNBC. Everything is racist. Every single thing, no matter what the circumstances are. We go through new examples of that as well. Make sure to subscribe to blazetv.com slash Glenn, the promo code is Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. When you do that, you will get a brand new Stu Does America tonight. You will get a brand new Glenn TV tonight. And you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you have a second, uh, click subscribe to this podcast and click over to Stu Does America. You get a free podcast there every single uh, day as well. And a reminder, if you missed it, the Stu Does America 250th episode podcast of the Power Hour a disaster frankly where we tried to do one shot of beer per minute for an hour it was a, it was very messy it was a very messy time in our lives but it was a lot of fun uh, and a great weekend distraction uh it's at youtube.com slash does america here's the podcast you're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program
1: I don't even know where to begin. Uh, Ibram X. Kendi. Let's start there with the audio from this, the guy who, you know, wrote the anti-racist baby books and how to be an anti-racist. He's definitely not racist at all. Ibram X. Kendi. Here he is.
2: So when I look at that video, I I ask myself Mm. if if that would have been a 16-year-old white girl in a wealthy suburban neighborhood, would the police officer have sought to disarm this girl? Would the police officer sought to talk her down? Would the <laughs> police officer use, would have used legal lethal force?
3: And it's hard Isn't for
2: me to believe that that yeah. would have happened. It's hard to me to, to believe that that officer Uh, would not have responded differently for a different girl in a different community because you're nuts
1: so can i I (laughs) yeah can i ask you a question why are we interviewing this guy it's difficult for him to believe that a white cop wouldn't shoot a white girl well okay well you find it difficult to in fact you find it impossible to believe that white people aren't racist so why are you? Why are we going? They What's should the just point? say we were going to interview Ibram X Kendi, but we can just tell you he thinks it was a racist move. Yeah. you do that on everything. You know, sugar pops have uh, gone up in price. We we were going to have Ibram X Kendi on, but. We just wanted to let you know, he probably thought that was because of racism. <laughs> right. <laughs> if your answer to every single case,
0: no matter how different the circumstances, is exactly the same, your value... You're not interesting. The value of your commentary is zero, <laughs> yeah, right? All right, Who cares? Right. right. And that's what right. he is. He, like, right. Uh, that's a great point. It's like more white people get shot by police, but he can't imagine a white person being shot by police. Well, what the hell is the point of you? <laughs> I know. I
1: know. We got it. We got it. Just got put it. a card up. Mm-hmm. Ibram X. Kendi thinks it was racist. Okay. Rain today. Ibram X. Kendi <laughs> believes it's racist. Uh, all right. Now, here's MSNBC. Now, a guest for MSNBC's Joy Reid, Brittany Cooper, a Rutgers University professor, said this
0: the argument for our movements has never been that black people have to be perfect in order for them to deserve dignity, for us to have good policing, for us to be viewed with humanity, for cops to take a breath before they literally get out of the car guns blazing. So that's the first right? That this is never what the argument for the movement for black lives has been, is that you just get to kill black people, particularly when they're not being perfect. I think about how <laughs> <When they're> perfect, <laughs> as Reverend Charlton just said, the prosecution has to be in order to get the conviction for George Floyd it had to be impeccable they had to leave no stone unturned and, and if that look is at the this.
1: standard stop, stop I can't take it if you're watching the blaze you have Al Sharpton you have this Rutgers professor and Joy Reed, and they're all like yep yep mm-hmm. I mean I think we could just put a card up on MSNBC it just says we all think this was racist right. <laughs> whatever, and my whatever. My or, or or they could have two cards Trump's fault. Right, yeah.
0: Those are the only two things that could be. And you could have the double <laughs> card where it says both of those things. It's Trump's fault yeah, yeah.
1: because it's racist. Because Trump is racist. Right.
0: Uh, <laughs> my favorite part of that has to be, though, when she describes the woman stabbing some right. another woman as black people not, not being perfect. perfect.
1: <laughs> right that is a right. hell of a summary so i didn't a have a perfect day i didn't have a perfect day i killed somebody i stabbed them do what it, you haven't had a bad
0: day do we not remember not more than a couple of weeks ago where mm-hmm. the officer in one, in one of the recent mass shootings came out and said look and he was just just quoting the guy who did the mass shooting and he was like look you know he said he had a bad day and uh right. you know and everyone <laughs> <Right>. blasted <laughs> blasted right. the cop for just quoting the person it could be mm. mainly because a lot of the news networks edited the part where he said he was quoting the person. Uh, right. Now that here they are. That doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, this is just their opinion, right? This is just their opinion. Right. We just think, uh, well, oh, well, black people aren't just being perfect. And if they're not perfect, they might just stab people. And you that's know, totally fine. I'm
1: going to stab the S out of you, B, with a knife above your head, ready to plunge into the chest is a different definition of a bad day than i've ever heard right. <laughs> i mean you know what hitler he just had a bad year <laughs> no, yeah, 1939 that's... bad year for him yeah bad very year. bad year not an appropriate way to describe <laughs> it no i mean he got up he was having a bad day uh, this jewish deli didn't have the bagel ready for him he had a bad day
0: what and he's a dictator just not being perfect That's what we can summarize that as
1: (laughs) killing people. That's a bad
0: that's more than a bad day.
1: No, it's not. No, it's not. And, you know, here they come out of the car. Guns a blazing. Do you think they would have shot a white girl? Yes. Yes. They wouldn't have negotiated. No, she has a knife above her head saying, I'm going to stab the s out of you and she's actively moving towards it hang on can we talk about that feeling what's happening in your life let's now let's talk you back from the i mean what are you what are you going to say there's no negotiation and they come out of the car blazing yeah do you know how amazing that is that that cop what that cop did in columbus that is an amazing i couldn't have processed that i'm riddled with ADD. I couldn't have processed that scene in 15 seconds. Could you? No, absolutely not. I mean, that was, uh, you know, it was Jack Bauer-esque is what it looked like it to It was. Me. You know, it was a guy was. coming in and
0: analyzing 10 different moving parts yep. in 15 seconds and doing the yep. right thing. And yep. with 100% certainty, if he had not shot that person at that moment and the, pl- the knife did plunge into the other girl, Ibram Kendi and Joy Reid would be on the air saying it was because it was racist. They would have protected a white girl but they didn't protect her because she was a black girl. That's why they allowed the stabbing to happen. 100% certainty
1: that's what they would be saying on the air. Uh, Yeah, of course. Of course. Because the police have to be perfect. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And even we have found this week, even when they are perfect, not good enough. Just not good enough. But the good news is, is that Joy Behar has the solution. Oh, good. And here it is. This is what it looked like to me. And I've looked at the tape, and I still can't figure it out.
0: Um, right. Uh, yeah. Shoot the gun in the air. There's a warning. Tase a right. person. Shoot them in the leg. Shoot them in the behind. You know, stop them somehow. But if the only solution yeah, stop them
1: is to kill the, a teenager, there's something wrong with this. There's something very, very yeah, the wrong stabbing was the thing. with yeah, the wrong way with society. these things are being conducted. Even if the cop had to do it, there's something wrong okay, with it. Stop. Even if he had to do it, there's something wrong with that. (laughs) Yeah, it's called society is out of control. Teenagers shouldn't be stabbing each other in the streets. Uh, That's that's my idea, and I don't care whose streets it's uh, on. I got to tell you, if two of my rich neighbors are across the street, and they're acting like white trash, and they're throwing each other down in the lawn, dragging each other by hair... And trying to stab one another, I'm going to call the police. And in fact, if they are if they are really, you know, I'm going to stab the out of you. I'm going to actually call over the fence. Shoot them or I will shoot them. I mean, got, you have absolutely no choice. And I love these people. I love these people who have never touched a gun before in their life. Never touched a gun for that guy to uh, shoot that girl with somebody behind her. Remember, don't shoot at anything. You've got to know what's behind your target because sometimes the bullets will go through. So this this girl that he was trying to protect was half behind the other girl. He shot her four times. Times without wounding the other girl. You know why they don't shoot your legs? Because it's a small target. You go for the body mass. You never shoot a gun to warn. I'm sorry, Joe Biden. Just take your shotgun out and shoot it up on the ear, uh, Joy. Uh, when you do that with a pistol, let me just uh, let me put it into an old timey song because I know you and your cat. Walk around in your fuzzy slippers, drinking a, you know, cup of gin at four o'clock in the morning, going, I used to be somebody. And I know you're listening to all those sad songs, so, uh, bullets keep falling on my head when you shoot a gun up into. The sky, I'm dead. <laughs> I mean, joy. Because the, what goes up, it doesn't go into space and float around. It's not one of those pieces of space like we can't launch any satellites anymore because. All of these bullets from all those guys in the Wild West, they're all floating around there in space, circling the Earth. <laughs> they come back
0: down. And if it came back down and hit someone, uh, particularly a person of color in that community, they would, the Ibram X. Kendi and Joy Reid would be on the air saying it, they would have never done that in a white community. They would have never cared. No, they, they would have called that racist, too. I guess yeah. maybe you could shoot at the ground uh, is the idea. Of course, there was two people. Oh, my people. gosh. Are
1: you putting lead in the earth? <laughs> <laughs> on, on Earth Day, too. We, that was just Holy yesterday. Holy cow. They wouldn't do that in a white neighborhood. But we should point they're out there poisoning was poisoning the water in that minority neighborhood they're poisoning by shooting lead into the ground
0: right at oh his feet gosh. at that time was a right. teenager being kicked in the head by an adult so uh, we don't want to shoot there uh, <laughs> 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 it was it's just an amazing uh, it, like there's just nothing that you can do as an officer which is why i think as an officer i would be like okay this is a no-win situation what am i doing with my life you know, I, I came out here to help oh, people. Too. I came out here to help people's communities oh, yeah. and keep people safe. And no matter what happens, I'm always the bad guy. Yep. I'm yep. always the racist. Yep. I'm always the murderer. I'm always ruining mm-hmm. my own family because of something uh, that I can't control. And Joy Reid and Ibram Kendi are going to call me a racist if, God forbid, I save a black girl's life. So why would I show up to work the next day?
1: I don't I, I don't I know to how they you, do it. I, I would Again. like to add one thing. And when I left this morning, my wife and family said, Dad, stop it why why are you going into work today find another job you're going to get killed you're going to be thrown into jail for doing something right and i've been saying no i believe in the system i'm gonna keep standing why would you go to work as a pl- i'm asking police officers why why are you still going to work i'm why? glad they are but because i
0: am I, too I, I, you know but i, I would, am too. i'm not a i'm not man enough to do it i would be screw this i'm too selfish i I'd find a different I mean, job. I
1: would like to, you know, I would just say, uh, I, w- I would just like to say, look, we should have a box on our taxes that say, I want to play, uh, I want to pay for the police force mm. and I'll fully fund them. And then we, our tax dollars go locally to fund the police. Those who say nope i don't want to and if you don't pay taxes if you just don't pay taxes and you're receiving a large sum of money from the government we still send you a note uh i want police protection in my neighborhood and if i call i want somebody to come and not a social service worker uh somebody with a gun if there's something going on on i call it's a great idea on me you don't even have to tie it to taxes just a note i'd be happy with just a
0: survey you will send a note to everybody's house and then they can say whether they want a cop to show up or not when when uh, something goes down
1: yeah they it's- all say they don't want they all say they and they when i say they i don't mean any large swath of communities i mean these activists yeah. these activists are all saying i don't want you in my community okay Let's go door to door and ask them, would you like police to leave you alone? Good luck with that. (laughs) Now, we may have some
0: problems with, like, criminals saying no. And then (laughs) cops don't go out to the criminals' house because they're trying to avoid prosecution. There may be some holes in this plan. My point, though, is that it's
1: just really frustrating. Uh, Better than holes in little girls who were just having a bad day. (sighs) I I think. See how easy it is to win? (laughs) See how easy it is to win if you just don't care. People going, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) You just like, yes, but it's better than holes in little children's stew. Thank you, you, Joy. Joy Reed. All right. Back in uh, just a second, I was wondering which Joy you were talking about Joy Reed or Joy Behar, who is quite possibly the most ill-named child of all time seriously i don't even think her parents looked at her and went oh joy she just brings me joy her dad had to go
3: yeah you give her a few
1: years she'll make everybody miserable so i am trying to eat healthier and i am but the thing is I don't like healthy food. I don't like any of it. You've heard of a fat suit, right? I mean, there's got to be. When are we getting a skinny suit? Something that will make me look skinny because I just want treats all the time. I grew up in a bakery for the love of Pete the bad news is no skinny suit is coming you actually have to do the work blah 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 that's why I am eating built bars it satisfies my sweet tooth but it's a protein bar but not like you know that's like eating stuff at the bottom of my chalkboard usually this is a hundred percent real chocolate it's low carb low sugar if I'm eating a protein bar as a treat come on you gotta know it's good and I am mint brownie cookies and cream the new flavors that are coming out all the time they're fantastic go to builtbar.com and use the promo code beck15 for 15 percent off your order your mouth is going to water just looking at them trust me builtbar.com promo code beck15 you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program Bill O'Reilly I've got about 20 stories I want to go through today it's been a very big week in the news but we've got to spend a few minutes on the Chauvin case tell me your thoughts on the case
2: that's the introduction Beck no uh best-selling author in the world a perspicacious commentator on radio and tv none of that just Bill O'Reilly what you want is that it?
1: Yeah, that's so, pretty much. That's pretty much. That's okay. pretty much it. That's all right. Much it. <laughs> um,
2: you step back when in these things. If you're a fair-minded person seeking the truth, the, not your truth, mm-hmm. the truth. So you step back. You don't get emotionally involved, and that's what most people and all journalists, except me and you, under don't
1: understand. I don't so, know. I've been, uh, I've, I've been pretty passionate about this, but passionate okay, about well, the well, truth. well, maybe you
2: don't understand of this, so this is why you have me on. I'll explain it to you, right <laughs> now. Okay? Yeah, okay. okay. So the underlying conviction of the former police officer was based on a concept, a legal concept, called depraved indifference, that's why he was convicted. It really doesn't matter what Minnesota law defined as second degree murder, third degree murder, Mansfield. Uh-huh. It doesn't really right. matter. What the prosecution was able to do was to convince the jury and me, and me, uh-huh. that the officer who took George Floyd's life showed a depraved indifference.
1: And, it, and it, it really was the because it, I it, I agree with you. It was the last ninety seconds. That right. And, and, turn and, and this, turn but this there case. was
2: a whole bunch of other things. I mean, his own guys were telling him to, to right. ease up and all of that. So, so if you're going to make a case that this verdict was based upon uh, fear, the jury was afraid for themselves and all that, that's not true. All right. So mm-hmm. if you're going to delude yourself, go ahead. The jury may, I think have, that, wait, may wait, wait, wait. have had fears. I mean, if you're yeah. walking into a courtroom every day and you see the National Guard out there and you remember what happened last summer, that you're going to process that.
1: I think but if that, I were a juror, if I were a juror, because I, I agree with you, knowing the way Minnesota, it, um, the way it writes second degree murder and everything else, it is unintentional. It's manslaughter, depraved indifference. And that fits this. And yes. if I were in the jury room, I, when I started, I would have been like, oh, crap, man, this is going to be bad for my family. But I think what, by the time the, the trial was over and I got to the jury room, I might have looked at everybody and went, right? I mean, we dodged a bullet here. This is pretty yeah, easy. Yeah,
2: And there wasn't any dissent on the jury. But remember, you didn't right.
1: have to serve on that jury.
2: All right. So you could have said in the jury selection. I'm afraid, and I can't make a fair verdict because I'm afraid for my personal safety and my family's. And you would have been dismissed, discharged. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the the point, I, the overarching I want to make is, in life there are certain situations that are beyond a reasonable doubt, and here is one of them. And so every American should accept that fact, and many don't. So that's number one on Chavin. Now, he'll be sentenced why, and here's a question everybody should ask, he knew, and so did his attorneys, that they were going to get convicted. The only chance he had was to take the stand, look the jurors in the eye, and say, this is what I did and why I did it. Not making excuses, but an explanation of what was going through his mind. That was the only chance the man had. But he chose not to do it.
1: Wait, wait, and so if, if you were the attorney for his defense, would you have had him testify? I would have.
2: I would have dragged him up and put him in the in the box if I were his attorney and I cared about him. All right, because that's the only chance he had, and that was a hundred to one.
1: Yeah, that's a hail mary, and could have made it. Well, I couldn't but, have made it worse. Because the, right, the alternative, you are right, you are right, you are right, you are right. He's, he's going to sit he's in guilty. the
2: penitentiary for fifteen years. Yeah, that's the alternative. So mm-hmm. take your shot. Yeah. In
1: the
2: in in an explanation. But anyway, that's over. Um he's going to the penitentiary. George Floyd is dead. That's it. What else?
1: Uh well, uh, uh, the two, the uh, other police officers will be going to trial this summer. They'll play out. uh
2: they're not going to go to trial. They'll they'll make a deal with the prosecution um and it'll all serve a little jail time that's what's going to happen there
1: wow and do you think that's the right thing to do if, think those guys play out,
2: if i got a decent deal i would because if you don't play out then the judge is going to give you two or three times more jail time
1: just so, putting
2: this the system through it
1: go ahead so i remember jeffrey dahmer went to prison and he was shivved i can't imagine being chauvin no, I can't uh, either. And I don't know going I mean, to protect
2: gonna, him. Yeah, how do you protect, yeah, do you you protect him? So he's going to have to stay in isolation. He'll get an hour to walk around by himself. No, that's not what, good. what a terrible life, you know? And, yeah. and, you know, no one feels sorry for him. And in the traditional sense, I don't feel sorry for him. But I have compassion for him. I do too. If, if I could, and I probably will do this, I'll send him all 10 of my books. I'll probably do that. No, I'm <laughs> told to it. That's a least, Geneva Convention have, man. At least he'll oh. have something to do. I'll send him your books. All right, I'll send him lots of books. But but I'm trying to say that compassion is yeah. what we as Americans are lacking. It is. I mean, I, don't I said this, you know what the guy did, but it's a, but now he's he's isolated, my god
1: it's amazing to me i i said uh on uh tucker's show on what when did this happen tuesday and i said uh i I came out and said look i mean there's two two lives completely destroyed the life of of uh of george floyd and his family destroyed destroyed the same thing with chauvin chauvin is in jail but his family is destroyed yep and it's we should have compassion for all of that this week i have been seeing story after story it's almost like it was written by media matters where they don't say that anything about me saying about compassion for george floyd or that i thought the verdict was right they're just saying glenn beck says compassion and trying to make it look like I'm for him. Yeah, you're sympathetic and, to Chavez and yeah, what he did, but but compassion. We should be sympathetic for everyone.
2: But this is another good lesson for people. So we live in the United States of vengeance. Yeah, that's where where we're living now. Not the United States of compassion. The United States of vengeance, and because you uh, put forth a point of view. And you and I have lived this together for, what, 25 years?
1: Yeah. We've lived yeah.
2: it together. These people, mostly on the left, but not exclusively, want to hurt us. And I put forth, they'd kill us.
1: if Oh, they could. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they would yeah. Um, talk talk to me a little bit about Brett Favre, because this is something that I think Americans need to understand. He's getting heat because he said, I'm not defending uh, Chauvin, but I I can't imagine that he intentionally murdered um, uh, uh, George Floyd. And I 100 percent agree with that. I don't think he got up in the morning and was like, I'm going to kill me a black man. The, no, there was n- but there's nothing a level of responsibility and he's paying it he's paying it the but the the second degree murder means unintentional it's manslaughter
2: beck listen to me i don't want i don't want this to ever happen again and so every law enforcement officer in the united states all 80,200 of them that are working right now need to understand that their responsibility is is much higher than the ordinary citizen because they are armed and have the powers of arrest
1: you but we are living in unreasonable times what happened course, in columbus then, ohio that got that, that police means, officer it did everything course, right but, in but he's opinion. not
2: going to be charged with anything and he's having to go through this because of lebron james and others and and uh and President Biden, who I hope we'll get to in this uh, segment, we are going to, yeah, because th- that guy is now uh, he's jumped the shark. If you remember, Happy Days, but no, but, tell, but getting ahead. back to Favre and and getting back to his statement, it's true that Chauvin didn't wake up in the mornings and say to himself, "I'm going to go out and hurt a black person today." That didn't happen, but Chauvin apparently didn't understand his responsibility that he has to be tough and enforce the law, but he also has to be compassionate. Yeah, I think there was a along with
1: the job and the verdict the he was charged with and they found him guilty. And I think this is exactly right with reckless endangerment. Yeah, I mean, he was reckless at his job. That doesn't mean he was intentionally doing it. No, reckless.
2: The people who believe, and there are millions of them, tens of millions, the people who believe that law enforcement in America has an animus toward black people use these situations to Correct. reinforce that belief. And you are never going to reason them out of it.
1: If right, you but I'm not going to play the game. No, I'm not going to play the by game by reinforcing it by but saying, have- yeah, he did intentionally kill. No, he didn't. But if I'm Brett Favre's advisor, I
2: say before you wade into this, you have to acknowledge certain things so you don't leave yourself open for unfair attacks. You know, if you watch the Spin news this week, and I'm sure you did, Beck, we okay. again produced the statistics from 2019 and 2020 on
1: unarmed black people being shot by police. Yep. It's over okay. a thousand a year well over a thousand a year no it's not it's <laughs> that's what the average that's what the average person believes I It's know a thousand it's people 30
2: and and in that 30
1: for two years
2: many perhaps most of the unarmed black people who were shot by police had a knife or a baseball bat or a vehicle where they were trying to run over the cops so this is the fact and those facts were compiled by the washington Post. All right. I didn't even use FBI facts because I knew what the counter would be on that. But the Washington Post, you can look it up, as Yogi Berra once said.
1: All right. Um, back with Mr. Bill O'Reilly from BillO'Reilly.com. dot com. His latest bestseller is um, uh, Killing Crazy Horse, and he comes out with a new one. Actually, I think this is more of his uh, current bestseller because it's already making the lists and it's not even out until next month and that is Killing the Mob, probably his best book yet. This is the best of the Glenbeck Program. We welcome, I believe for the first time to the program, author of The Devil's Hand and The Terminal List, uh, which uh, The Terminal List is being uh, adapted into an Amazon Prime series with uh, Chris Pratt, which, I mean that's that's kind of a good cast call there uh jack carr is the author and welcome to the program jack how are
3: you i'm doing great thank you so much for having me on it's an honor to be here
1: thank you when you were when you were uh uh writing terminal list did you did you know that you thought this is going to be a big big deal and when you got chris pratt i mean that's fantastic (laughs)
3: Yeah, I'm a a child of the 80s. So uh, as I was writing the character, it's hard not to think of someone playing that character in the movie, because as you grow up reading all these novels and expecting to one day write novels like that yourself, you just picture it going to the big screen. Uh, Of course, streaming services didn't exist back then. And that's an option now. But as I was writing, I thought of Chris Pratt playing the role and did so you completely really Completely surreal that now it, as i started writing it in december of 2014 and then the option wow. in uh, january of 2018 before it even hit shelves so uh, yeah completely I, surreal to me i have uh, i've seen him uh do a couple of posts where he's
1: just you know in his car and he's like this is gonna be amazing gonna be amazing <laughs> uh it's, it's really cool it's, it's pretty it's cool, cool. I, was, I
3: really like him yeah. Yeah, he's great, he's such a nice person. Uh, Antoine Fuqua is directing, who did Training Day, Tears of the Sun, Magnificent Seven, Equalizer. And I was on set Mm. last week, and there's 350 people out there working on this thing. Uh, And it's like a military operation with craft food services, you know, logistics, feeding the Army. You have Antoine up there as the commanding officer. Chris is like Mm. the platoon commander, setting the tone, the weapons guy, the explosives guy, uh, Mm. transportation. It's just like a military operation, and and, uh, Mm. yeah, I couldn't be more thrilled. Tell me about the Devil's Hand that's just come out. Yes, yeah, so this is the fourth one in the series. And for this one, I really wanted to take a breath and put myself in the enemy's shoes because I thought about that a lot while I was in the SEAL teams and I uh, continue to think about it today as an author and a citizen. Uh, the enemy has had 20 years almost to look at our cards if we're playing poker, look at how we're playing those cards, and then take those lessons and apply them to a future game. So I, I asked myself, what if I was Iran, China? North Korea, Russia, a super empowered individual, a terrorist organization. What would I have learned from this last 20 years and what would I apply going forward? So that formed the basis. But then when I outline this in August of 2019, the catalyst that moves the plot forward is a bioweapon attack. So when COVID hit, I was deep into the research on infectious diseases, Mm. the weaponization of infectious diseases, the history. Uh, So I was hypersensitive to that when it hit, and it became a much more timely novel than I initially Mm. thought at the outset.
1: What have they learned? You know, I started reading this uh, last night, so I haven't gotten very far. Uh, apologize for that. But I started reading it last night, and I was so intrigued because I think you're—this is why I love action uh, fiction writers— is you you have to take things that are real. And up until recently, you know, fiction has to make sense uh, and has to feel like it actually could happen. But in today's world, absolutely anything could ha- Elephants, it could rain elephants today. And I'd go, huh, didn't see that coming, but okay. <laughs> um, uh, what did they learn from us
3: and our yeah, that's reaction? exactly it right there. Sure. Yeah, that's exactly. It's a lot harder today uh, because if you were to write some of the things that happened over the last year and a half uh, 10 years never ago, it. people would think it was science fiction, uh, not mm-hmm. just fiction. But so in looking at our response to COVID with the basis of the novel being what the enemy is learning from us and how they are adapting, when COVID hit, once again, they are learning from our response to COVID, a summer of civil unrest that continues today. They're learning from that. A very contentious political season and election cycle. They are certainly learning from that. But specifically to the bioweapons side of the house, when they look at infection rates and mortality rates as they pertain to COVID and see what we did to ourselves um, with something that has uh, a 0.003 ish um, type of mortality rate, well, what if something has, which do exist out there, bioweapons with an 85%? 90 percent mortality rate just imagine what we would do so that really uh that really formed the basis of this novel and now of course people are more in tune with that and can see oh we shut down the country for something that's killing x number of people what will we do if it kills the y number of people going forward so the enemy's definitely taking notes here
1: when you when you look at uh what's going on um i feel like we're living in a in an action thriller right now with the intrigue that is happening with the deep state uh, and the the games that are played in Washington and not really knowing who's in charge, you know, at times and the radicals that are happening and the the protests in the street. And it's not a coincidence. And then, you know, with the great reset, these corporations coming out and colluding with one another to, you know, help move things along. It is like we're living in a, I, I, I don't even know, but a combination of uh, one of your books and some, you know, awful dystopian Huxley book.
3: It really is. And it's, uh, they're certainly giving me a lot to work with in the, uh, in the thriller genre, that's for sure. And in the military, we talk about walking into an L ambush, um, like online or L. Those are the two types of basic ambushes from the beginning of time. And essentially, we're walking right into an L ambush with big government on L? one side, big government on the other side. So an L ambush would be, so instead of like right across the street from each other, shooting at someone in the middle where you, yeah. where you can kill each other an l so you're not uh your fields of fire don't don't hit uh the, the people you don't want to but put this massive volley of fire down on whoever walks into that l um wow. so that's what we're doing right now we're walking right into this l uh and there's almost there's hard there's not much that we can do about it because those cause big big government has so much control and they're uh they're right there hand in hand with big tech who controls all that information, and we just continue to walk right into it. Um, so the problem I ran into when I got to about October, November last year, being in the enemy's shoes for over a year, I thought, oh my goodness, I have a problem here. If I was the enemy, I might just watch from the outside. I don't need to do oh, anything yeah. because we're doing a pretty right. good job of tearing ourselves apart from the inside out here. So I had to figure that out, which I, which I did. But, um, but in reality, we are doing a really good job of doing the enemy's job for them right now.
1: I uh, I will tell you that I've said for a long time there's going to come a time when all of our enemies uh, will see the same moment and they'll all say now go 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 um, because we are we're doing all of the work and they're just waiting for that moment do you do you think we're close to that moment Jack.
3: That's exactly right. And, that, and the real question is when that moment and that's what they're asking themselves, too, because uh, this is this is new territory. But they tend to think, obviously, in terms of uh, eons, almost at least, let's say centuries, yeah. uh, what we yeah. think in terms of these four year election cycles, maybe eight for the real deep thinkers among us. Um, but they can bide their time. They can be patient. They study their history, which is something we do not do and something our elected officials uh, and our senior military leaders do not do for some reason they don't put the time energy and effort into studying the past to make good decisions going forward uh, based on wisdom so uh, the enemy has has the advantage in that respect no doubt about it
1: when you look at china uh, uh, i was talking to somebody the other day and they said stop calling china a rising power it's a risen power and uh until you understand the power that they currently hold you won't be able to see what's right around the corner. And they, we were talking about Taiwan, and they asked me if I thought, you know, the American government and the American people would support protecting Taiwan. And I'm like, no, I don't think so at all. I don't think the government will. I don't. I. I don't think this administration. I think just Taiwan. Just see you.
3: Do you think I'm right or wrong on that? I think you're right, because most people, much like back in the days when, people, when we started going to Vietnam... Uh, people said, where is that? Even today, Taiwan, where is that uh, for most people? Um, I've been to Taiwan, I've been to to mainland China, uh, studied a bit of that history, um, probably just enough to be dangerous, but uh, that's why travel is so important, and studying history is so important, and today, there's so many distractions out there for these kids coming up today. Uh, Back, let's say, in the 80s, 90s, you could read a book, you could watch a movie, you could wait for your show to come on TV, you could go outside, maybe play Atari 2600. Today, there are so many distractions, and most of those distractions are divisive in nature um and i think that is by design so uh we're definitely not getting any brighter um and any more wise as a as a public and as a population so uh I, I, hate, I hate being a pessimist here but it's hard to it's hard to find that hope when you look right. you're looking forward especially when you're basing uh your analysis on what's going on right now
1: when you look because you have so much military experience being seals and everything else um when you look at uh china and then you look at the United States military, and especially with the leadership we have now and, you know, all the things that are going on in our military. Um, how long before we are in a situation to where we're we're an even match? Is that still a long way away or?
3: Oh, I think it's pretty close, um, especially okay. when our focus has been elsewhere. Uh, and usually, yeah. depending on who's in charge, whatever they're studying, whatever they've studied. Uh, their experience has been in the past. That's kind of the boogeyman in the closet. So if they're focused yeah. on Iran for most of their time in the military, that's that's the big threat. If they're focused on Russia for most of their time in the military, then that's the main threat. Um, it's because they have this personal connection to it and they can speak on it uh on those so china can look at our experience in iraq they can look at our experience in afghanistan they can see the distraction um they can see how we were bogged down because of changing uh changing goals changing goal posts goal lines um and how we just stayed mirrored down in these areas and they're taking notes they can see that they know exactly uh if, if that day of confrontation comes they know exactly what they need to do uh to bog us down and to uh and to win
1: um, one last question. I think that I read this morning that Russia is backing away from the Ukrainian border, which surprised me. Um, what are you seeing on the with the NATO front in Ukraine and Russia?
3: Well, NATO has been uh, essentially a non-entity for for quite some time now, right. um, especially with new members, which uh, just confuses the the, the entire uh, well. See, why in I mean, why would you <laughs> say that? <laughs> it's it's yeah. just, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, let I me mean, you know how you have, uh, yeah, access and allies mixed together, uh, essentially yeah. trying, to, yeah. trying to figure out a, a solution when not everybody's on the, the same page, not everybody believes in the, the same, uh, foundational, uh, uh, foundational liberty, uh, yeah. uh so. It is a tough one, that is for sure. But I would guess that anything that Russia does, um, we have to look at them as, uh, I mean, essentially they're, they're magicians and they're distracting you with one hand while they're doing something else with the other. Yeah. That's the best way to look what, what what Russia is doing, particularly in regards to the Ukraine.
1: Well, best of luck on uh, Terminal List. I, c- I can't wait to see it. I mean, I, I love Chris Pratt and I think this audience loves Chris Pratt. Uh, he's one of the good guys and he's a great funny actor and uh, and just a great hero on screen. Uh, Terminal List uh, will be on uh, Amazon. The uh, Devil's Hand just came out April 13th. Jack Carr, thank you so much. God bless.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me. Take
1: care. <laughs>
2: na, 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 na.